0: Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Kate Woda. I'm delighted to share a presentation from the 2019 Patients as Partners U.S. Conference on the topic of partnering with patients on clinical development protocols. This session is led by Linda Kalmer, Executive Director of the Scientific Medical Patient Perspective for Oncology at Merck, who shares with the audience Merck's experience with bringing on a patient as an equal stakeholder of their clinical development team to provide patient input in protocol development and trial design. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello. Okay. Thank you. I think I've been giving the okay to start. So thank you so much for inviting me to speak today and for everyone who decided to come to Room A instead of Room B. I appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, So my name is Linda Colmar. I actually work at Merck in the office of the Chief Patient Officer, and my job is actually to bring patient insights and patient innovation Um, with regards to the oncology field at Merck. And I'm sure most of you know oncology is a growing area at Merck, and it has been very active for the past several years, and we expect it to remain even more active um, in the foreseeable future. So as you can see here, um, I've been asked to talk about our patient engagement activities, and I'm specifically asked to talk about what we've done that's different from last year. I know my colleagues have spoken in the past about things that we've done, but we certainly are evolving and we continue to do so. So some of the things that we have done in the past that we continue to do on a regular basis and to grow in the number of activities, one is what we call Chief's Rounds, and that's an event usually for oncology, I would say three or four times a year, where we invite speakers and advocacy groups specifically to come in and talk about a disease area that's very uh, near and dear to the hearts of our employees. It's a form of... In- educating employees about specific topics. So for example, recently we did HPV-related uh, diseases with a focus on anal cancer. We had a patient uh, speaker talk about anal cancer as well as the Anal Cancer Foundation came in to speak about the great work that they've been doing as well as Merck researchers um, who were there. And these programs reached a very large audience. We had over 2,000 Uh, call into the program to watch it live and several hundred in the room. Another oncology topic that we focused on last year was with breast cancer, and the Komen Foundation came in and spoke about some of their areas of interest that interacted with ours, and again, we had our researchers um, there to share their perspective. So these programs are really educational for Merck employees, but given that we have over 60,000 employees, it really does reach a large audience, and it helps to remind everybody why it's so important to not only hear from patients but from patient advocacy groups and learn what everybody is doing um, on the same front with regards to battling cancer. We also have patient input forums, which is a more intimate setting where it's a physician interviewing a patient and really an in-depth explanation as to what it's like to live with the disease, which I'm sure very uh, many of you are very familiar with. What's new since uh, perhaps this has been last presented here, are patient dialogues. Patient dialogues, they're not totally new to Merck. We've been doing them for several years. But what's new is that they are increasing in frequency, and the demand for patient dialogues have been increasing in frequency across all of our therapeutic areas, not just oncology, but also in HIV, infectious disease, endometriosis, other compounds as well. And patient dialogues are really where we interview patients either in a group or individually usually around 12 to 15 patients with a very specific disease with specific questions that have been formed by our research team so the people who are actually designing the clinical trials who really want to um, dig deep into what it's like for a patient to be on a clinical trial and what they would think about when they're looking at our clinical trial and our clinical trial designs. So we show it to them, we ask them questions, um, and then we see whether we really should be or can make amendments to those trial designs that would make them more beneficial or easier to enroll or easier to uh, stay enrolled for patients. And it's really been very valuable to the clinical teams who have engaged in this type of work, and the demand just keeps growing. Um, the thing that's also new over the past year is what we call patient consultants. So these are individual uh, patients who come in and work with us either in a very large group setting where they will present their stories similar to what you've seen today but in much more detail to very large audiences, usually over you know between 250 and 500 people at Merck to share that story, have the patient perspective so that people can actually remember what it is that they're doing at Merck every day and understand why it's so important because, of course, at the end of each clinical trial or a new drug um, is a patient who's waiting for a cure, waiting for hope. And those have really been inspirational. And when People You have to imagine there are so many people at Merck. As I said, it's a large company. There are so many people who have been working on drugs for years and years and maybe have never met a patient. So by doing this, we've had many engagements over the past year specific to oncology, but we do this in other areas. They really find it to be instrumental in saying you know those aha moments keep going up where they say, wow, I never thought of it that way, or I never thought a patient would maybe jump off my trial if it wasn't working, <laughs> um, just to look for another one. Um, and other things like that and they get all sorts of insights and then they go back to their teams and they say wow you won't believe what I just what I just heard and you have to hear this too so sometimes we bring the patients back to smaller teams and have more in-depth discussions about what it's really like um, to be a patient to be considering a clinical trial or to have to take a certain drug and what it's like to live with that disease and it leads to so many more conversations and ideas that mark for the people who are working um, on these trials one of the other things that we did um, last year was bring in a patient as a consultant to actually work with the research team. So how did we do that? Well, first thing was that we had to introduce the patient to the product development team. The product development team is the team who's actually designing the clinical trial. It's led by you know, a researcher in charge, and then there's actually a very large team or works on the trials, but part of the team members are what we call the authoring team who actually figure out the language, not only that the patient will be exposed to, but that describes the details of the clinical trial and what a patient would actually have to endure. So the first thing I did was bring a patient in to meet with the team to tell their very personal story. And of course the team you know, was, was enthralled by them. It was a very you know, educated patient who had been to conferences like this and self-identified and shared her story. After that, the team um, invited the patient to work with them on looking at the design of their clinical trial in a very measured way. But we certainly didn't want to just throw a patient into working with a clinical trial team, especially since um, this specific patient had not done anything like this before. So, what we did was arrange for what we call an in depth orientation of the patient to the clinical trial design process as well as to the team. So this took time, it took investment. The team had to actually all be on board and say yes i 'm willing to take the time to educate the patient, to talk to them, to explain the process, to explain what our goal is, and to explain what we want um, them to contribute they, you know and that you know it was really a commitment. Um, but it was great to see that everybody was on board and volunteering their time to do this. After the in-depth orientation, of course, we had to make sure that the patient was comfortable to ask any questions um, to any of the team members and not be afraid to speak up. Um, and we actually, you know, partnered the patient with a person who was really there to be, you know, their guide, which was myself. So I actually attended all the meetings with the patient. You know, the first ones were in person, and the rest were actually via Um, webcast. but So I was on the phone to make sure that she understood that she had someone in her corner so that she didn't feel alone and that she could certainly be comfortable with asking any questions that she needed to of the research team. Now before even showing up to um, the very first meeting where she was expected to give her insights and her perspective, you know, there was a pre-read. So she was given materials ahead of time. And again, not just, you know, emailed, but part of the process and explain the materials so somebody on the authoring team actually spent the time to go through them walk through them answer any basic questions that were you know difficult questions that she might have so when she came to the meeting with the rest of the team she was really well informed and well prepared and she actually you know had copious comments that she supplied to the team in advance and then we would actually sit there and go through not only the other team members comments on the <laughs> protocol design but the patients comments as well um, and it was for about an hour every week for m- several months. Um, and the team really found it to be extremely um, insightful. And I want to mention that when we say that the patient has an equal voice, she really did. So if she said something, you know, the team stopped and listened. And it would often, you know, they would go back and forth if people didn't agree with her. And she was actually great. Um, which brings me to the point of it's really important to have the right patient advocate do this type of work. It really has to be somebody who's, you know, very strong, strong personality, but, you know, willing to, you know, say the difficult things that need to be said and not be afraid um, to speak up, especially when you're working with researchers or maybe people who have multiple degrees, um, but really feel that you have an equal voice, and that was really important, and I believe that she did. Um, And the team felt that her voice was so important um, that they actually invited her to work with them, you know, further than what we originally had planned. And they asked her to sit on what's called our clinical trial team, which were monthly meetings, which she did for about six months. And then they asked her to actually sit with them and review the informed consent form um, because they thought that even though we had had people look at that in the past, that we could really do more and actually make it better and more patient-friendly. And she did that as well. So I just wanted to explain express what we've done here at Merck and explain the value. And then I surveyed the clinical team that worked with her afterwards to ask, you know, would you do this again? Did you find this valuable? Would you recommend it to your peers and other clinical trial teams? And you know, the response was overwhelmingly positive, um, which, of course, leads me to more work, <laughs> um, which is always good. So it's really just um, been a great experience. As far as you know, actionable insights. I know we heard this morning about well, how can we measure this, and how can we measure patient impact, and um, what can we do, you know, to actually spearhead this work in other areas. Um, so some of the actionable insights that we had from this one particular uh, consultant applied to the language of the trial description. Um, and it was not just the description of this one particular trial, but the authoring team realized that the insights they were gaining from this patient could be applied broader throughout the entire oncology portfolio. And as Julian mentioned, we have over 900 clinical trials in oncology alone. So you can imagine the impact that this patient um, could have if we start changing the language um, based on our insights. So next steps actually are to you know, pull a broader range of patients, you know, get a group together to actually see if they concur, discuss um, what changes really should be made. So those will be some of the, you know, the hard facts as far as changing protocol language. Um, but other insights that are harder to measure is the feeling that the investigators took away from them that this was so impactful. Um We'll be measuring it because more investigators inside of Merck are asking for more patients to work with them, to present their stories, you know, to sit with them on clinical trial design, and we're hoping to, you know, systematize this approach and make it really more inbred into the work that we're doing at Merck. Um, just some key takeaways that I wrote down. You know, obviously the patient's perspective is unique, and it's unique as you know, as opposed to the researcher's perspective. And one of the things that the researchers uh, mentioned, just to give you an idea, is, you know, when they were designing their protocol and they just assumed that a patient wouldn't want to sit and wait four or six hours in between, you know, giving blood or urine and waiting for the results and then starting the medication, they thought they'll do it two days. Come in one day, you can just give all your samples, and then you can come back the next day. And wouldn't that be easier um well obviously you know if you talk to certain patients they might tell you yeah if i live next door <laughs> you know but if i'm traveling an hour or if i have to um deal with childcare or pay for transportation or worry about even the parking uh fee or taking two days off of work instead of one day that might not be a trial i would even ever sign up for if i wasn't given the option to actually do everything in one day in one sitting so things like that that the you know that the researchers is really it never occurred to them Um, that what they were designing, which they thought was really patient-friendly and patient-centric, actually might not work for patients. Um, Other actionable insights that came through were, you know, just being informed about how difficult it could be or um, inconvenient to, you know, how many urine samples do I have to give, how many pregnancy tests do I have to give, especially if I'm someone who's, You know, I've got stage four cancer. Pregnancy is not really, you know, on the docket for me right now. And every time I see you, you ask me to take a pregnancy test before you give me medication. You know, the psychological impact that that has on a patient, you know, something certainly that some of the researchers had not thought of before. So it's just really important to share your stories, share your insights. I would say for anybody who ever has an opportunity to do so, it's always um, really impactful and meaningful and helpful and I think it will speed research um, and actually not slow things down but speed things up. So I think that was my last slide so I just want to thank everybody for your attention and we have a couple of minutes if you have any questions. Does anybody have any questions at the moment? Can you hear me? Uh, Carrie Keane from Edwards Life Sciences. One question I have is you have one patient interacting with your clinical team. How did you ensure that that patient somehow represented the larger patient voice? seems like, I mean, obviously it's going to be difficult to have more than one patient working with your clinical group. I recognize that. Um, so how did you make sure that this person was really tuned into the larger patient population that you were working on? Well, thank you. That's a great question, and it's always a concern. You know, you certainly don't want you know one patient's perspective to skew things, especially if it's a very unique perspective and not uh, representative of the entire cohort of their disease state. So we tried to make that very clear as part of the on-board training. Of what we were really looking for was for this person to really represent um, her group of you know uh, specific cancer type of patients, which she really tried to do. Now she was also you know she's an active Um, advocate and speaker and has been in this uh, realm for a long time so I think she was able to bring the perspective not just of herself but of you know all patients with that type of cancer but it's you definitely have to be careful and that's why when it comes to making certain changes we are actually going to look to pull a larger group of patients to make sure that it's uniform you know before implementing anything that would you know cost a lot of money (laughs) Uh, any other questions Hi, um, I'm Allie Patterson. I'm from the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. So from the foundation perspective, we're doing a lot of similar things um, in terms of providing patient feedback to sponsors that are conducting CF trials. But um, one question I had was around, uh, you mentioned like surveying the team that worked with this patient and getting really good feedback. But um, how exactly, like what kinds of questions did you ask them and how do you plan to share that back with other teams within your organization to sort of get their buy-in because these intangible sort of benefits can be really hard to articulate. So I'm just curious. All right, thank you. Right, and it's a great question. So the survey questions just off the top of my head that I can remember were things such as, you know, did you find this impactful? Did you think it was worth your time? Would you recommend this to a colleague? Would you do this again? Did you think it was meaningful? You know, they were very broad um, and overarching. As far as trying to encourage other colleagues at Merck who maybe haven't worked with a patient before, um, you know, we've been doing what we call a grassroots effort where you know I individually go to all the product development teams and explain to them what we've done, what their colleagues have done, and ask if they would like to do something similar. Um, the good news is that the head researcher who I worked with on this protocol um, was such a fan of this work that she has actually volunteered just last week um, to go and talk to the colleagues herself and say, you know what, I can, I can spread the word better than you can. No offense, Linda. <laughs> but, you know, they'll listen to her, right? She's a, a fellow researcher um, who's in the trenches with them, and she feels very strongly, so she actually uh, promises to be my biggest advocate for the work that I'm doing, which I think will be great. All right, well, thank you, everyone. Appreciate your attention. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. For more information, visit theconferenceforum.org. Thanks for listening.